This is firefighter Raphael Poirier reminding you that every day a portion of every Firehouse Subs purchase goes towards helping first responders. Try the new pastrami Reuben, loaded with hot pastrami, sweet and tangy slaw, and melted Swiss. For a limited time, get a medium pastrami Reuben for just $6.39. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time offer at participating locations. Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2018 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.13% of every purchase. What's up, Pat?
Jimmy, you're amazing, dude. God. gentlemen that is uh my friend and our guest jim the ninja jimmy shikon he look he is a friend of mine from back in my former life of being a college cheerleader but really we've just been friends for a long time and he's one of the most talented freaking people i know i've seen him take rap songs and countryfy him i've seen him take country songs and rapify him i've seen him do so many off-the-cuff, amazing performances. He's made up songs on the fly about random people we know. Um, he's, I just, he's just somebody I'm a fan of. Like that song, I've heard, I don't know when it came out, but it's a song that just brings tears to my eyes when I hear it because I love it. It's not because I know him, but I know, because it, it, I, know, no, I know him, but I know the soul and the heart to which the song was written. So, by the way, by, good morning, everybody. This is Joshua T. Berglund's Morning Gratitude. Um, big shout out to iHeartRadio, to Spotify, to Spreaker, to Stitcher, to Anchor, uh, Google Play. God bless all of you guys that are listening and downloading the show. I see you. Uh, it means the world to me. The show is doubling in size every week. It's, it's, it's just a, it's, it's a blessing. Uh, good morning, everybody watching on YouTube and Facebook. Today's a really special day for me because I am getting to have my friend, somebody that I get think is one of the most talented artists on the planet, uh, be on the show today. So I'm gonna not I'm gonna quit wasting time, and we're just gonna get into this right now, ladies and gentlemen. The one, the only. I don't know if it's Jimmy Ninja. To me, he's always Jim the Ninja, but I don't know what it is officially because you know <laughs> sometimes Hollywood gets a hold of your name and changes it. But he for, will forever be Jim the Ninja to me. So, ladies and gentlemen, my friend, the one, the only, Jim the Ninja. <laughs> hey, that's me. That's me. What's going on, San Diego? What's going on, world? Hey, let me tell you the story behind Jim the Ninja. No, stop it. No, 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 no. You don't I get. You, no, you don't get to start yet. First, my friend, you have to say. <laughs> What are you grateful for today, Jimmy? Ah, I remember this part of the prep. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only show prep, is what are you grateful for? Man, I'm grateful for you. Uh, I'm grateful for friendship. Um, I'm grateful for my children. I'm grateful for my parents. I'm grateful for this beautiful Texas morning. And uh, that, that list could be the entire show. I could just go on and on for 30 minutes about what I'm grateful for. So I live in a state of appreciation, and that is for certain. So, my friend, where are you at right now? Uh, I'm in Abilene, Texas right now where I grew up. That, it's so foreign to me, Jimmy, to see you in Texas. I know that that's where you grew up. Yeah. 
but I know South Florida Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. as you know, as you know, Chug. People know South Florida Jimmy. <laughs> My fr- okay. So you wanted to tell the story about Jim the Ninja. So now I'll let yeah, you go yeah, into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm half Thai and half uh, Caucasian, and uh, I was born in Thailand, but I grew up here in Texas, now we're in Texas specifically. And um, I used to work on a ranch when I was going to OU, which is around where the time I met you. And when I was going to Oklahoma, I worked on a ranch in Davis, Oklahoma, in the Arbuckle Mountains, uh, where I was also a bouncer at the Arbuckle Ballroom. And the cowboys that I worked with used to call me Ninja Cowboy. They'd say, Jimmy, you're a Ninja Cowboy. <laughs> and that turned into Jim the Ninja. I actually had a card, which some people showed me ago that was 26 Oops. years old. We're good. I had a card. Sorry. had a card. Where'd he go? Did I kick him off the screen? Did I just kill Jimmy? <laughs> Jimmy, come back. No way. Where'd he go? I just lost Jimmy. Come back, dude. I, I like fiddling with stuff over here. And uh, there he with goes. the Hendrix thing that we took when I got signed, we were J-I-M-I, and I was with that label for about 10 years. And then and when I M N Y, which is my name, how I've spelt it, how I grew up. And that was the story of Jimmy the Ninja. That was kind of a short one. That is short version. So when did you start? When did you? When did you first pick up a guitar and just start jamming? Jimmy, are you there? I feel like we got disconnected. Are we there? Jimmy, Jimmy. All right, I'm gonna get back on you. Okay. You gotta love technical difficulties. You gotta love them. Dad gummit. Anyway, it doesn't even matter at this point. So here's the deal. He'll come back on. Good morning, Bonnie. Good morning, Rich. Good morning, uh, Pat. Great to see you guys this morning. Listen, for everyone listening right now on the radio, you know how much I love be like Facebook and interacting with them. But I want you to know how much I appreciate you guys too. Um, but you can join the conversation over at Joshua T. Berglund's Morning Gratitude on Facebook. You can see our guest, Jimmy, um, or any of our guests, and interact and ask questions. We always have a good time over here, even when we're having technical difficulties. Jimmy, good to see you. Back. There you go. Are you back? Yes, sir. Sorry. I think the Wi-Fi, I walked too, I walked too far away from the Wi-Fi signal. <laughs> anyway, so that was the, the long story short of Jim, Jim the Ninja. It was actually a, a East meets West, Jimmy Ninja, um, you know, being half Thai, growing up with that multicultural background, being a cowboy and actually, you know, fighting MMA most of my life, uh, half my life now, uh, back in the beginning when it started. That was just what Jim the Ninja came from, and that's who I am. I'm a ninja cowboy. You know, which is funny because that's the, the original name that the Cowboys called me. They said, Jimmy, you're a ninja cowboy. That's the name of my band today. Oh, is it really? Yeah. So when did you when did you first pick up a guitar? At OU. Really? I wanted to play. Yeah, I wanted to play. Hold on, I'm hearing myself a little bit, so I'm going to turn the volume down. But I... Uh, I wanted to play at OU, and I had a lot of guys that played in my hallway. I picked up the guitar several times in middle school and stuff like that, and just never really could figure it out. 
and in college because I was in a new town and a new place and I didn't want to go to class. I was playing the guitar four or five hours every day. So that's what I was doing and that's how we ended up, you know, uh, getting going with the guitar and that just became like a big thing with the cheer and friends and I was playing on Campus Corner at OU and, you know, got just got really into it. It was a gift and talent that I never knew I had that I was really appreciative to be a part of. So I, I, again, I don't really know you from the Oklahoma days at all. I know you from Florida, which was weird because oh, it, wow. it, there was the Oklahoma connection in Florida, how we ended up connecting and being friends. But how did you get from Oklahoma to FAU in Boca Raton? Um, you know, what was funny was uh, that was uh, the year I was fighting that year. My judo coach, shout out to Coach Pat and Norman. Um, he was a two-time Olympian, and I told him that I wanted to be a stuntman. Oh, wow. And he said, well, let me call somebody. And so he calls California, he calls L.A., and and, uh, calls up Judo Gene LaBelle. And a lot of people don't know who Judo Gene LaBelle is, but he he walked out with Ronda Rousey a lot. Uh, He was the older Judo guy, but he's a legend in the sport. But he's also, the uh, at the time, he was also the president of the Stuntman Association. So he puts me on the phone with him and says, hey, I got this guy, you know, Jimmy Ninja, or I don't know, he probably called me Jimmy Chai Pong at the time. <laughs> and he said, uh, he wants to be a stuntman, and, uh, you know, Coach Pat hooked it up like that. Talk about manifestation. But because of college cheerleading and all the fine women involved, and you know what I'm talking about, uh, <laughs> I, had two, I had two beautiful friends, Alexis ah. and Heather, that were from FAU. And we were at Nationals that year, my first time in South Florida, my first time on the ocean. Uh, this Texas boy, you know, this Oklahoma boy, I was on the ocean. We were in Daytona at College Nationals. And shout out to all my friends at SAU and everywhere else that we cheered. And oh my God. That was the night, after Nationals, that was the night that we played the one song, Sing It Across the Nation. We all love masturbation. Jerk your wang just like you hate her. Get these baddies from your vibrator. We all love masturbation. I know this guy named Josh. He's such a player. If you see his junk, oh my gosh. He's going to make you stay there. <laughs> anyway, we sang, that for, we sang that song for literally three hours. So you want to talk about magical music moments. And I've had many. But one of the most powerful was there that night at Nationals. Uh, in Daytona, and we had about, we had over a hundred people singing that song with us that I had written, and um, and I played my guitar that night until there was one string left on the very top. God. And Alexis and Heather told me, you need to come to FAU, to Boca Raton, and I'm like, I don't even know where that is, but I'm going to go. Oh my gosh. Years. That was 17 years of my life, and what kept me from being a stuntman back then. <laughs> Hold on really quick. Uh, Rich, Rich knows Judo Gene. So Rich is uh, also an MMA. He knows Judo. He calls him a legend. Um, really quick, Anya Ritter, good to see you. Um, absolutely great to see you. Uh, Cinnamon, good. welcome to the show. Bonnie, always good to see you, my friend. Michelle Stevens, my Spanish queen. What's up? Good to see you. Um, Karen, good to see you, love. Zinfu, I see your lips. I don't see you, but I see your lips. Welcome back to the show. Uh, we are with my friend, Jimmy the Ninja. So so it's so funny because FAU had this magical spell on people where it just had, there was like rumors about it and it was whispers and like no matter where you were in the world, 
Like, this is what we're doing in Boca Raton. You want to come be a part of this. And in everyone, everyone had nicknames. No one had real names at all. I didn't know anyone's real name. I still don't know half the people's names because we all have nicknames. And, <laughs> like, to this day, people still call me Chug because of my recruiting oh, no. trip at FAU. And so, but yeah, and I, I honestly, to say this, that was a very interesting time in our lives because a lot of us, there were some people that didn't make it out alive. Mm-hmm. We, we were a bunch of free spirited, creative, amazing human beings that had a choice. We had a choice of using our gifts for greatness or using them to be the world-class partiers. And a lot of us, unfortunately got sucked down that hole of being world-class partiers and some of us are lucky to make it out alive i know i'm one of them and i am too i am too and i also want to say i was the one that started that whole exodus from oklahoma because i was the first one to go and uh you know thanks to alexis and heather and then corn fred and anita followed me and then after them rusty and i believe you and uh, there were more. I can't remember. We D- like had all Dusty. These people were like, I want all these people were like, I want to live by the ocean. <laughs> it was the coolest thing. I remember uh, I was at Rose State, and uh, Shane yeah. Breeden and Dusty, yeah, Dusty, Coach Billy. Yeah, exactly. She, they all showed up Shane for nationals. Billy. Yeah. Anyway, so Jimmy, what are you working on now, man? I mean, you have you're such an incredible musician. And you're a talented fighter. What the heck do you have going on now? What are you up to? Well, you know, what's interesting is I've been very consistent over the last 20 plus years with my life. I've predominantly focused on music and martial arts. And um, there's been a few extra things that have jumped in there, but it's all been entertainment for the most part. Uh, I'll tell you the number one thing that I'm working on is being a great father. I have these two beautiful boys, Bubby, who's three. Uh, that's his nickname. We only go by nicknames in this house, too. And uh, Bam Bam, who's almost one. And I spend as much time as possibly as I can with them because they're a dream that I never believed was going to happen. Because back in that day when I was, you know, we were living in South Florida in the height of the rave era. Yeah. The height. So, you know, there, there's a lot of, there was a lot of partying and all that going on. But it was also a time, that was our youth. That was our time we were celebrating. We were figuring out who we were. And we survived it not by accident, but because we were destined to. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, we were destined to. And I, I, I rest in peace, all the ones who didn't make it. Rest in peace. God bless those who are in prison and, and all those who had to leave. But the ones who survived and the ones who grew from that experience became, um, you know, just forces. Forces in this world for good. That's right. And, um so my first priority is with my, my sons every day, and we spend a lot of time, you know, I'm training them in the way of the ninja, cowboy, so we do a lot of singing and a lot of gymnastics and kicking and punching and wrestling and grappling, and uh, besides that, uh, the last three years I've been putting on the West Texas Songwriters Championship, which brings together some of the best songwriters in the Texas area, and we compete. We just did our first... Uh, versus the North Texas, which the West Texas, Miss Elizabeth Schultz won the North Texas show from here. And um, shout out to the guys up in North Texas. Um, 
And uh, that's just been amazing because it's been a beautiful outlet for me to take my experiences, 20 plus years of music and New York and touring and studio and, and all the people I've got to work with and share that information and share that guidance with the people in this area. Um, we had our, our West Texas Songwriters Champion this year, Aspen Crouch, who's amazing from Brownwood. And uh, you know, we did shows all over the state this year and in the last few years. I hadn't toured, like after I left the label 10 years ago, I didn't do any touring. And then this last year, we did our first Benton, New Orleans, uh, I saw Shane while I was there, Tampa. Um, uh, then we did West Palm, Fort Lauderdale, Miami. We're going back this summer for some shows. And, um, you know, the, the music thing is something that's always going to be there. I just, I love it. I have such a passion for it. And uh, we're doing new things. And, and that's been great. And then I'm opening up another uh, martial arts school soon, CJJ with my uh, sensei from Brazil. He's, he's going to be the first Brazilian native living and teaching here in the big country in the West Texas area. And that will be open here probably here in the next six to eight weeks. So, you know, we've been real busy. And then we have some projects going on I can't even tell you about because uh, you know how people are sometimes with the showbiz stuff. It's like you have to keep it all in the hush-hush. Yeah, because they will steal your stuff. Um, hey, I, really quick. I, I, I don't even, go ahead. Yeah, don't cut me off. It's my show. Yeah. <laughs> I love you, man. I'm just playing, but I'm being serious too. Um, so, I musically, like my my favorite memories of you musically are just when you would just whip out the guitar and just start jamming. And but I've heard you have that more of a like the DJ feel. Like when we just played Angel at the beginning of the song, there was you had a DJ in the back, uh, the back part of it, very low key. I've seen you with a full set DJ, and then I've seen you with a full band. What is it that you love musically? Do you like it just you, Jimmy, and the guitar, or do you like the full band experience? What, what is it all about for you? I love the purity of a singer-songwriter, his guitar, and his song. Um, it just, it really, you know, just the purity, like I said, because I want to hear the song. I want to hear what the story is about. I want to hear, you know... But I, you know, I've enjoyed rocking out with bands over the years, um, so that's that answer that you know it's just the purity of the acoustic player. So I'm all about. is your new is your new stuff that you're working on? Is it just you, or are you with a band? Um, well, we haven't really begun recording yet. I'm talking to a couple people in South Florida. One of my friends, Jason K. I'll give you a shout out. I know you guys all used to see Jason play in Nippers, and he plays everywhere in, in South Florida, Margaritaville. But uh, he's an amazing musician and talent and producer. He's worked with the Bee Gees, and he had a song on MTV right. for a while. He had the, one of the very first songs on The Real World. Really? He's going to be actually probably, yeah. He's actually going to be called Midnight, uh, Midnight Plane. No, he's going to kill me for getting this wrong. But it's like Midnight Airplane, <laughs> Airport. I'm sorry, Jason. I love you. But, um, yeah, he's going to be working on the recording the song uh, album this summer. And it's going to be a, a really stripped down, almost country, but kind of a mix of indie and country and rock, kind of what I've always done. You know, I was like you were talking about the rapping and, and that kind of stuff, man. I was doing that before Kid Rock was doing that. You know what I mean? I just always been doing it because I grew up in that hip hop generation of um, you know break dancing, and uh, I was very fortunate to grow up pre-internet. Because we were busy doing stuff. We were online all the time. <laughs> we had our, our windbreakers and we had cardboard and we were breakdancing and we were having breakdance battles with people at the mall. 
And then, you know, I teach kick fighting. We play this game called Joust where we run and try to jump kick each other at the same time. So that's pretty much all I've been doing my whole life is, is kicking and singing. So, Jimmy, I'm, I'm, go ahead. Oh, wait, go ahead. Finish what you're saying. No, I, told you, the two cup, I told you the two cups of coffee. <laughs> you know, some of the other stuff I got to do, um, I was in a, a couple episodes of Bird Notice. It's a USA Channel's number it's one a show. Great, it's a great show. Uh-huh. Burn Notice is awesome. Yeah. I was doing a, uh, you know, it's funny, that manifestation that year was about wanting to do something different because I had been doing pretty much the same thing for 20 years, which was kicking people and singing songs. <laughs> I, I had this, yeah. And I had this prayer that went out to the universe that I wanted to do something different and that something different um, got me in some television shows and in a movie called Rock of Ages with Tom Cruise and Russell Brand and uh, Alec Baldwin. It was about uh, the 80s rock scene in Los Angeles at the Whiskey. And um, and I did a commercial, and I was in that documentary Dogfight on Netflix about the backyard brawlers. Yeah. Dada 5000. You didn't and, uh, fight dogs, did you? No, it wasn't dogfighting. It was backyard brawling. You haven't seen oh. that cool rap- no. Yeah, it's a, doc, it's a documentary. No, man, I love dogs. <laughs> I was about to say, that's not you, Jimmy. Okay. I know. Okay. I'll, I'll fight a man in the face fighting a dog. Um, I've seen a few dogs fight me. <laughs> Let me ask you something. When you were growing up, because you said you, you know, you're half Thai, but you look mainly Thai. I mean, you're not, you don't look like you're a mix of half, but you're growing up in, in the... Uh, Forgive the term, people. I'm from Oklahoma, but a redneck part of the world, um, which is probably just as discriminating as saying something else. But whatever, whatever. I mean, I've got some redneck in me too. But growing up in that, what kind of did you have to deal with any type of discrimination? Because where you grew up was not exactly multicultural. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, we we moved to uh, Abilene in 1979. And um, I remember my my mother and I huddling together in this little house that we lived in on Grape on Grape Street, which was like an efficiency. And there were all these white kids out front of the house throwing rocks at our house, calling us gooks. And I remember huddling in fear with my mother at about five or six years old. And that was being like a terrifying introduction to where we live here in West Texas. And um, it really shaped my life quite a bit and my opinion about myself and how I felt about how other people, but you know, so much has changed. You know, I've learned so much love, self-love and self-acceptance and, and uh, forgiveness for those that were in that place. And, and uh, I realize a lot of what we see about racism isn't true. You know, the media would like you to believe that it's it's rampant and that everyone feels that way when it's such a small, small minority of people that feel that way. But they blow it up and sensationalize it because people that are afraid and in fear of things pay less attention to politics and they're also, you know, more likely to be consumers because they're trying to they need to buy things to satiate that fear. Right. So, you know, the truth is we live in a loving world where most of our neighbors would help us out if we needed help. That's, and, you know, if you saw a child suffering of any uh, nationality, you would go over and, and help and do what you could 
So that's the truth of the world. That, that it is. Saying. It is. Media just wants you to believe that. And so Cinnamon and Bonnie, yeah, I get it. I mean, and when I say redneck, I mean it with as a term of endearment. I mean, I'm a, I'm, yeah. I'm like a country city kid. So it's, it's, it's. I, I like the bust of both because I like to get, I like, you know I like to put boots on and get crazy too. Yeah, all the terms that used to uh, hurt my feelings and make me want to fight, like when people would call me a chink or something like that growing up. All of those terms, I've turned into love. Yeah. I've learned to embrace them. It's how I have a lot of black friends that'll say how the term nigger used to, you know, make them so angry and so upset. And, and now, how they, the, the culture just changed that word into something beautiful, which meant, it means now, like someone calls you something like that, it means that you are a real man. You know, that you're somebody who's been through stuff and, and it amazes me to think about that because I remember a time when people would look at me and do this kind of thing and I'd be fucking, I'd be fighting with them. And now I joke around and laugh about it and it's interesting to see how the universe and God takes all of that and just changes your heart and changes your fears and turns them into courage. So That's I'm so very beautiful. thankful for all those experiences despite the ugliness of them at the time. Look, I don't know if you mind me going here or not, Jimmy, but I kind of started to go down this path a little bit before, but we both got pretty wild in our day. And oh, yeah. um, some of us, it, it took me a little bit longer to get out of it. Um, it was my escape from where I was at, but I'm so happy to be past that now. When, <clears throat> when did you decide that, okay, that li- it's time to put that life behind and, and, and focus on what your your gifts are and then being a great father being a husband like when did you make that shift man it's probably been about 14 or 15 years um that know, long south florida wow yeah, like 2004 2006 i um i go back to south florida and everybody was still doing what a lot of people were doing in south florida and i found myself just being like no i'm good i'll pass because like I said, a lot of people have this belief in addiction, and, and I understand their belief in it. But what I what I believe in is that we live in these stages in our life, and one of the very first is our youth. And in your youth, you're supposed to be exposed to things, and those things are going to shape you for the rest of your life. Wow. And I, I got to see, I'm on the phone, I got neighbors, <laughs> neighbors over here yelling at me. <laughs> but, uh, that's such a Texas thing. Yeah, I know. It's cool. It's like they want to come over and like, can you help? <laughs> um, I think the youth and what we went through during that time was really a lesson that, that was there to shape us, which will help us to see, one, that we were running away and hiding from this beautiful reality. And that's what a lot of people are doing. They just want to hide from whatever reality they think they're living in. But once you realize how beautiful and impermanent this reality is, you start to embrace it. And you don't want things that are going to numb it. You don't want things that are going to take away. You know how many many performances I've missed over the years because of, you know, dropping too many gel tabs before the show and I'm yelling at the bats on stage and I've, like, wanted that gig for four years? And that doesn't happen anymore, man. I still get nervous and I get, you know, those types of things, the stage fright before shows. But the, I'm there. I'm there enjoying the show. I'm there. So I'm very thankful for that. I, God, man, it is so, it's just is so surreal for me because, you know, when I came, first came to Florida, you were already a legend. And 
you were someone that I looked up to and admired so much for your talent. And, but yet we were both admittedly like running from that, running from what our real gifts were instead of really stepping into it and owning it. And it is, it is, it's so inspiring to me to see that you've not only shifted away from that world and that dark world that we're in, but now you are making a sacrifice. Like people, everyone listening right now on iHeartRadio and iTunes, on Spotify, on Spreaker, on Stitcher, on Google Play, watching on Facebook and YouTube. You guys, you don't understand. Jimmy is a, like a, a world-changing talent. And he has made the decision that he's going to stay in Texas and be a father. That is his number one priority. I had a private conversation with him. Like, I could get him booked on many shows. Look, that, look how adorable he is. That kid is. He's, oh, he's adorable. That's yours? Wow. He, he must get his looks from his mama. But you, he is, this is, that is the reason why he is not on a world tour right now. And in changing the world, he's a father. That's his number one priority. I cannot even, it's so beautiful to me. Uh, so Cinnamon says, Jimmy, you're an inspiration and proof that no matter where you come from, it doesn't define our lives. Well said. Um, Bonnie, you should definitely go to Florida. Um, she was also yeah. called a cracker the other day. <laughs> uh, I, did, you know, I did a whole chapter in my book, Eternal Energy and Information, which I wrote a few years ago here. And uh, about the whole addiction and that drug phase, it was kind of a biography. So it did a little bit of all of the stuff, the race issues, the uh, partying, you know, the, all the, the self-defeating resistance that so many of us hold on to that keep us from the success in relationships, right. in our personal <clears throat> lives. And, and I've really found so much in the last few years because this was a gift and a blessing that I never thought would occur. I always thought my life was too wild and that I wasn't ever going to be able to stay with anyone long enough to have a family. But what I really got to see was, what I really got to see was um, that there are certain cycles in our life and in those cycles, you're supposed to do certain things. And that first quarter of my life was for me to go out and be an adventure. You know, I was Odysseus. I was Hercules. I was out claiming the fleece. I was fighting monsters. I was wooing maidens. And then when the time was right, not when I wanted it, because I wanted it for 10 years earlier, but when, it was, when God said the time was right, I met the right person. We had the right family. We have the right life. Despite all we've gone through in the last couple of years with our separation and um, my wife's breast cancer and her full mastectomy and just all the stress we've had to deal with that, and we're still a family as a whole. We're still here together, loving and caring about one another and taking care of our kids. Um, it was God's timing and when God was ready to do this. So now I live a life where I used to really think, well, what do I want to do? What do I want to do? What do I want to do? I used to live like that. And in my book, I talk about how I don't make choices anymore. I wait for the call. Every day, I wait for the call from heaven to tell me, who I'm supposed to speak with, what I'm supposed to do, where I'm supposed to go. And that's how I've been living my life for probably a year now. Wow. And let me ask you something. Everyone has everyone has limiting beliefs. And it could be it could be anything. What how is that? Because you're now you're saying you're waiting on the like messages from God, and I, I, I absolutely hundred percent am in line with that. 
what has been, what would you say your biggest limiting belief was and how do you overcome it? My biggest limiting belief. That you've dealt with over your life. Yeah, the, the biggest one came from my childhood and it goes back to the race. Because I was so different growing up here in Abilene, Texas, and you gotta remember, I didn't know a lot of other Asian kids until I was in middle school and high school. Um, I always felt different. And I always felt like the oddball, and I always felt, you know, kids would always remind me that I didn't look like them and that I wasn't like them. And so I kind of grew up um, feeling really um, alienated from everyone. But at the same time, that same gift taught me to fit in with everyone because when you don't fit in with anyone, you, you focus on fitting in with everyone. Oh, wow. And that was interesting because as I grew up to become a man, I learned to love everyone. I didn't look for clicks. I didn't look for people wearing my kind of shoes or driving my kind of car or built like me. I just loved everybody because when you were young and you felt like no one cared or loved you, you learned to love everyone. And that was a gift. You know, again, it goes back to the greatest resistances are also our greatest gifts. And that's something that people need to embrace. And anything that's bothering you in life, you should really look at it, write it down and say, hey, I don't like that I feel like I get overlooked for opportunity. And then you say, well, why? I see that. Why do I think you know, I'm being overlooked? Well, because when I was young, I thought no one liked me because you know, I had a disability or something like this. Okay, well, why today do you still feel that way? Well, because probably I'm still carrying some of that uh, resistance and insecurity in my heart. So when you decide to, to let that go, when you decide to let that label and that brand go that you've put upon yourself, then you can be there for God's gifts and blessings. But while you're sitting there going, no, God, I'm not going to let anyone uh, love me or like me because I know I'm still different. I'm too different to be with these people. These people are all jerks because they don't get me. While you're still beating the drum of what's wrong, God can't share with you that light of what's right. Holy crap, so that's, that's the gift. Yeah, that's the gift. Man, that is powerful. Around. That's powerful. It, but that all comes from living your truth as well. You yeah. can't you can't be love. You can't be light. You can't be any of that to its fullest until you're willing to live your truth. And I, dude, I that is that's so beautiful, Jimmy. Wow. Yeah, on our, on our Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu banner for the school, one of the words is sinceridade, which is basically sincerity or uh, authenticity. And I think that's one of the hardest things for people as they shift from being a child adult to an adult adult, is that the child adult often wants to give you or the others what they feel they will accept. The right shoes, the right shirt, the right shoes, the right job. But as you become an adult adult, you realize that their opinion of who you are is mostly making you disappointed in life. So you turn that around and realize, I need to be, start pleasing me. I need to start being authentic for me. And as you feel that joy rise up in you, you'll feel even more disdain from the crowd, from the tribe, because you're not living the way they want you to. But you'll feel this joy and you'll be okay with it because you realize for the first time you're doing and living what your truth and your authenticity. And then it will also attract more people who are doing the same. And you'll find it's not about the quantity of people following you, but it's about the quality. 
which is what it should have always been. Anyway. God, that hits home for me in so many ways, Jimmy. I, I can't even begin to tell you. That is, it's just beyond wise. It's brilliant. Uh, Rich says, love this guy. He is in my, if he was in my dojo, I'd learn from him. Um, what's up, Nick Harris? Good to see you. Rich wants to know if you're a black belt in BJ, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Yes, I am. Yeah, he, yes, I am. He's, um, he's, he's, a, he's awesome. I'm also a Judo National Finalist. I also fought for a world title in MMA in 1997 in the USWF versus Ali Elias. Who went on to fight? Uh, he beat me, and then he went on to fight Hiyako Sakurai and our sister organization, Rings, which eventually became Pride Fighting Championships. And I didn't know that. To Hiyato Sakurai, who fought uh, the great Matt Hughes in the UFC, and the UFC started becoming a big deal. Yeah. Golly. And then I made the mistake of trying to come back out and fight in 2008 at age 37. And I lost a bunch of fights, but it was still a great gift and blessing um, to see a different era of fighting and fighters and wearing gloves and cages and all that good stuff. But um, Jimmy, yeah, you know, my martial arts is very dear to me. So, what would you? I I'm not going to ask you to pick between music and uh, martial arts. I'm not going to do it. But let me ask you this: Do you enjoy fighting and training more, or do you enjoy teaching? I really miss fighting a lot. Um, one of the reasons I, I quit fighting was because they changed the laws to where if you were over 35, hello, I'm and uh, you had to get an EKG and an EEG, and like a lot of Americans, I don't have health insurance. So I couldn't afford this $1,500 procedure just so I could go fight every year. And um, otherwise, I'd still be fighting, to be honest. I'm 45 now, but I still love to fight, and I would fight probably once or twice a year. And um, But I love both. They're all different. You know, saying which one do you love most is like saying, you know, which candy do I like the most? I don't know. Some days I, I feel like a snicker. Some days I feel like a, a Almond Joy. professionally or in the cage or even compete jujitsu, they're a different kind of person because most of them come from really violent backgrounds and part of martial arts I've always told people is that it's a path and it's the path of overcoming the fear of violence. It's the path of overcoming the fear of violence, which is what martial arts is. And because I grew up with a lot of um, uh, violence in and around my home and neighbor, that's what I that was the path that I set out. And then also maybe a little bit of a race reason because all the kids in Abilene kept asking me if I knew karate. So I figured I better learn. <laughs> They're like, you know Kung Fu? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I better learn. I don't know. What no, that's not true. Uh, uh, my family, you know, big Thai, uh, uh, Thai boxing and Muay Thai and just that fighting culture. Because in Thailand, Muay Thai is the, is the number one sport in the country. It's just part of your upbringing, you know. My mom, my mom knows how to peek and throw elbows. You know what I mean? Are you serious? <laughs> you don't want to mess with my, oh yeah, you don't want to, like everybody, everybody in my family. What are you doing right now? I'm walking around in the garden. Oh. Okay. 
I'm sorry, you didn't bother. No, I didn't know if you were on a tractor or what the heck you were doing. You were just moving funny. I, I, <laughs> yeah, but you know that's. <laughs> he just yeah. I was once on a I was once on a reality show in South Florida, and they asked me, you know, why I played such mellow acoustic music. If they thought they were like, I figured you'd play something more aggressive, you know, hardcore because you're a fighter. And I was like, no, you know, it's, that's just my personality. I said my my fighting fighting is something that I do, and my music and my songwriting is just me telling you about my life, telling you about what I do. You know, there's no like particular demographic or label that has to be fit for something just because you do something. Um, I actually find a lot of peace in training, you know, and, and even competing. It, it's fearful, yeah, it's very fearful when you're in the back and you can hear the stadium and people going rah every now and then because something happens and you're the next person to go out and it's just like a gladiator where it's like Spaniard, 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 you know. But, um, <laughs> But the joy and the, and the power of walking through that fear barrier leaves you on the other side like the hyperbolic chamber in Dragon Ball Z more powerful. You know, and I've done that 20 plus times over the 20 some odd years. And so, you know, when it comes to violence, I've, I've most definitely overcome that. And that's one part, another part of my book about overcoming that fear of violence, which it's funny because, you know, what I've noticed with uh, people is that almost everyone has that almost everyone is walking around afraid someone's going to kick their butt or punch them in the face or hit them at a stoplight or they're going to get shot or and you know you're more likely you're more likely to get you know rabies from a dog biting you or something but again i think that's another media push thing you know they really want you to they want us to be in this fear state so everything is violence and well it divides us too divides us yeah and i really want you know I, I that's one of my missions if it's not my mission is to come and, and to bring people this empowerment that they can create their own bubble of reality their own bubble of peace their own bubble of prosperity and just because you see this person or that person suffering doesn't mean that you have to adopt it but what most of us do is we see that fear and then we adopt it because that's human nature to be like Oh, you know, just to chime in, to join the, the group, to join the tribe, instead of being a trailblazer and leading your own authentic life and, you know, really creating something that you want, your life specifically to me. It's like when you meet somebody like an Olympian or something and all they have is this one goal and there's nothing you can do or say to change them from it. And you just don't get how they live in this reality. But I get it. That's all they focus on. Yeah. Focus is the key summoning any reality just have to focus on it i i i to 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 compliment what you're saying i'm i've i'm in this transition phase of you know i've have all these possibilities and things i can do and while it's i've been getting teased by the opportunity to go to a network and yet i'm struggling with the sponsors um have a production company that wants to do this show but the whole time God has been telling me, why would you want anyone? Why? My, basically, what I'm trying to say is God has put it on my heart that I want I, I get to do this and do this myself and create this myself. And with my tribe, with the people that believe in me, the people that I can work with, the people that I can help empower, like if Oprah can do it. And I know Oprah started with a billion dollars when she started her own network. 
But we have the technology now that, you know what? Anyone can do this themselves. Anyone can create a radio show themselves. Anyone can create a TV show themselves. Yes, it takes money, but guess what? It can happen. There's no reason to let anyone else own your content and your message. That message is for you, and we all can do this. And that is part of like what you're saying. It really speaks to my heart because I really feel like God is telling me to just do this myself because I don't want anyone to take away from the message, and I don't want anyone to tell me what I can and cannot say, especially when it comes to talking about God or talking about... Yeah the things that I talk about on this show that are sometimes a little disruptive. So you're, you're absolutely yeah. right. I mean, envision is scary. Good morning, Lord. Speaking of vision, that's like magic. Mr. Lauren Harris, meet my friend Jimmy the Ninja. Jimmy the Ninja, say hi to Lauren Harris. Oh, I <laughs> He doesn't speak that language. But anyway, um, I don't, Lauren, I don't think you speak that language, do you? <laughs> Anyway, Jimmy, this well, is exactly the thing I was telling you about timing, though, because you're you're concerned about sponsors and what whatever when the the right time the right sponsors will appear, and a lot of that might be for the reason that you're speaking of, and that is because you you still need to find your format and your authenticity and your sincerity on your show because people will come in. You know, when you make a record like I did with. Epic President Ron Alexenberg, and you have all of the people. Shout out to Danny and Jen and, and the Goldens and uh, Luigi and everybody who worked on the album. You got a lot of people telling you how you should create your art, and it's hard to not listen to these voices because you you believe in these people too. They believe in you. You believe in them. Pretty soon your vision is being swayed, and now here it is, the end of production, and thousands of dollars have been spent, and this is not the product that you wanted. So, take the time that the universe is giving you, the cosmos is giving you. I heard you say the other day the universe God thing, but for me the cosmos God is the same thing because God is all there is. Well, I know, I'm just, because again, there's nothing nothing other than, and any any thought or label other than is an illusion. But my point is, take that time, hold on, Take that time, okay, let's go. Take that time and, and absorb all of that time and, and, and find your voice and find what, what you're going to do and represent and all that stuff. And then just continue on with it. And then when it's time, those sponsors will come and you'll get to choose who you want to help you with what you want to do. And you'll always know the right ones because they're going to tell you, well, just do it how you want. Just do it how you want. You know, the ones that aren't right for you are going to be like, well, can you do this or say this or talk about God a little less? Or mm-hmm. da, da, da. No, it won't I happen. I someone this morning <laughs> tell me, uh, drop it with the God stuff. <laughs> and I said, no. No. No, in fact. I've been through the whole gamut, dude. I grew up here in the Bible Belt, but then, you know, my wife, four years ago, she got breast cancer and I, I became an atheist for about two or three years because I just couldn't believe that after all I'd gone through in my life, that this would be something that was bestowed upon us. But now, 40 years later, I see what a great gift it has been and blessing of appreciation to life and to her health and uh, wow. for our family. So, Jimmy. you know, I found my way back. And, I, and that's okay, too, because, you know, we, we, we ebb and flow with our beliefs. We ebb and flow 
Um, and, and it needs to be real. Like I don't, but the people, if, you, if you're one of those people that you're out there faking it, you're going to church every Sunday and dressing up, but you don't hear God's voice, you don't feel led, you don't feel inspired, stop. Stop. Stop putting on the act. Stop. Wait till you hear the call. Wait till you feel inspired. Wait till you're around the right people that help that connection to be real. You know, in general, just be more real. I mean, most of the people that annoy me the most right now in life is because they're trying, you know, they're just fake in some way. They're either fake with their negativity, like they want to pretend they're not feeling a certain way, or they're feeling a certain way and they're sharing that negativity, but they don't want to hear, you know, anybody tell them what they think. Yeah. I just want to be in that place. So I think you need to be, you know, I'm, I'm very open. I, I will, if people are polite to me, I will always listen to someone's opinion, even if it counter, counter nicks my own. My only thing is being rude because I come from like a violent world, you know what I mean? So, so for me, the, the first sign of a physical aggression is someone becoming verbally aggressive. So, you know, if you're some type of, you know, person that you know you think it's okay to speak ugly to people or 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 to disrespect people online or whatever i'm the wrong one (laughs) because when i see you we're going to have words you know what i mean so my point is you, you you need to find that authenticity and be real about who you are, whether it's your beliefs or, because that's part of that the path like a lot of people wonder why they're not being more successful in life succeeding or happy and it's because they're being untrue to themselves and a lot of people hear that they're like i don't know what that means what does that mean i'm being untrue well that's that's it are you going to church but you don't really hear the call you don't really hear god's voice in your mind and heart every day or are you telling people that you love them and care about them but when it comes time to be there for them you're gone or you've left you know or you're just not available um you know, these these are the places where we have to check ourselves. Um, we have to, you know, make sure that we're doing our best. Because it's such a it's such a dichotomy between being there for yourself and being there for others. It's such a balance because you can't completely be there for others, otherwise you lose yourself. You can't be completely self interested, otherwise you lose others. So it's like a balance, like most things in life. You know, you're just looking for the way to balance out your service to others and your service to yourself. Yeah, uh, that is so beautiful. Big goals that a lot of people are trying to master. Yeah, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. I am. Um, I'm. 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 I struggle with that balance because I want to sacrifice. Does he have an Oklahoma shirt on? Um, no. Oh, I thought they said Oklahoma. I was like, yeah, he's raising him right. <laughs> um, I, 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 Jimmy, I love that. It. It's so perfect, man. God, this is timely. Um, what is someone's... Oh, Bonnie says, thank you. I just had this weekend someone saying, be there for me, and they just left me. I'm sorry, Bonnie. I, um, Jimmy, what do you... So, you know, at the same time, though, you got to remember to not rely on anyone in this world for anything because people will let you down. But you know what I do now when people let me down? I'm, I'm just like, okay, oh well, then I move on. I don't spend any time being disgruntled or upset about it because it happens so much that I know that the cosmos is wanting me to understand that with or without uh, other people's assistance, my goals and my needs will be met. 
with or without my parents being for me or a friend being there for me or my spouse being there for me or whoever, I do, you know, if you cannot grab that kind of solo, if you cannot grab that solo uh, ability to stand on your own, you will always be unsuccessful and unhappy because you're still living in that state of blaming. That's... You're still li- living in that state of, I need someone to react in this way, otherwise I cannot value myself. So I've learned to let that go. I'm not saying it doesn't disappoint me when someone lets me down. Yes, it disappoints me. But at the end of the day, I don't use that as one way or the other to feel bad about it. Yeah. Because I've learned that I have that choice. I either get to feel good because I choose to, or I'm going to feel bad because I'm bouncing off other people's reactionary living, and I'm not going to do that anymore because I have to take control of my life. And you cannot take control of your life while you're still casting blame over to others of whether or not you can be happy. Yeah. But trust me, you know, if someone comes to your, you know, if you have like a stu- students or family that say, hey, you know, we love you, we love the family, we're here for you. And then they find out, you know, one day you don't worship like they worship and their family leaves the gym while your wife has breast cancer, you're gonna be upset about it. But at the end of the day, maybe you're better off. Maybe you're better off if this person, you know, borrow this 20 and didn't bring, bring it back. Maybe you're better off. Maybe God's making room in your life for other things and other people. Maybe, you know, you just, maybe there's, like I that's why I said, no matter what's going on, your perspective to look at the world as half full or half empty is always in your control every day. But most of us will go to half empty because it's so much easier than accepting responsibility for ourselves. It's so much easier to blame so-and-so for my happiness today or the politics for my happiness today. All right, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. Radio audience, everyone listening on the radio right now, you're gonna get cut off. So please join us at Joshua T. Berglund's Morning Gratitude. We cap out at an hour on live radio. So you guys can finish the rest of this interview over at Joshua T. Berglund's Morning Gratitude. Um, just Google that or look for it on Facebook because we are going to lose you guys. All right, Jimmy, continue. Sorry. Oh, no. I, you know, I, I, responsibility is such an odd thing because so many people think that responsibility is, you know, paying all their bills and working really hard and being able to take a vacation every year. And that to them is what responsibility is. And yes, even though that is an aspect of responsibility, there's a greater responsibility of being responsible for every moment of your life from the moment you wake up to the time you go to bed. And if I'm, I'll use anger for, as a good example. My next book's gonna be called um, The Energy of Anger and Other Emotions. Ooh. But let's say, let's say you're using anger to, to control you and to not give yourself uh, the authenticity and I wake up and I see all these posts about a politician I don't like. Well, all of a sudden, now I'm in a bad mood. I start arguing with people online. Da, da, da. Man, my energy, my center, it's all out of whack now. Why? Because you believe that somehow politicians run your life. You believe that <laughs> they're helping to make your first cup of coffee that's going to make you so happy. They're going to, you know, you believe that you know this person's different opinion from you is somehow going to detract from the taste of your lunch today. So you believe all these false ideas and you, you give all this power over to others because you just 
can't realize and take take responsibility that your happiness is up to you. It's not up to a politician. It's not up to a president. It's not up to um, you know a lot of these other things that are going on. It's up to you. So as soon as you can own that, you'll start to see a different uh, life generate from your perspective. And, and that's something that's really important because one of the things I see the most out of people in general is them giving over their power and happiness to things like Facebook posts or drama or politics or just all these other things that I'm like, that's got nothing to do with joy. That's got nothing to do with authenticity. True joy comes from following your passion and being good to yourself and your loved ones. Plain and simple. If you're good to yourself, for example, I take the first part of the morning to get myself pumped up and get in the right place. And this podcast being one of them, I love it. I've been listening to you now for a couple months and it's part of my morning routine and ritual. I thank you for it. It, it, It sets me off at a better place so that whatever comes next in my day, I handle it with love and authenticity and strength and courage. And that is the key to happiness. Because once you're treating yourself well, you start to treat the people around you better. You start to, to love the people that are a little harder to love around you better. Have a little bit more empathy, a lot more forgiveness, a lot more kindness and compassion. Once you start doing that, you start to meet people that introduce you to things that interest you, which is how I got into jujitsu and how I got into playing the guitar and singing. And those passions make me happy. Straight up. My children, friends, and family make me happy. Me knowing that I'm doing what's right for myself is making me happy. So, you know, happy is a new wealth. Wealth can follow and, and normally will in states of happiness, but wealth and happiness are not correlated. I love it, man. I've worked for several I've worked for several uh, multimillionaires in South Florida that were miserable. And um you know, and I've found that in my own times of growth and power, that there's a lesson to be learned about managing that power. When I first got started to become something in music, and for the first time in my life, I got a little bit of power, and then I used that power, I realized, oh, you know, this is not what we thought it was. Like, it wasn't becoming powerful was not the dream, you know. You wanted to be loved for something that you cared about and wanted to help others. You know, you didn't want to just become some powerful rock star and have power because we see those guys killing themselves every other day. Yeah. That's, but yeah. Family and children and, and goals and helping others and being of service and chasing your own passions and seeing this world and this country being an adventurer. These are the things that makes life, makes life worth doing and makes life worth living and worth getting up extra early or going extra late. And if you have children out there, you know, the people out there that have kids, you have to remember this this line has always been profound for me. Your children become who you are. Ooh. So if it's not if you're not proud of who you are, then you better get proud of who you are. And you better become a, the type of person because there will be no greater sadness one day than to see the sadness in your children. Oh my god. <laughs> Jimmy Wisdom. So Man, that is, I knew you were wise, bro, but I, 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 I want, the one thing I forgot is that you've always had this just, uh, this, this view of the world and this, this, this just, uh, 
God, you're so wise. You were wise 20 years ago when we were hanging out all the time and you're even wiser now. It's just, it's, it's beautiful. And what you just said about your children is so freaking, it's like a dagger right in my heart. It, it wow. Well, 20 years ago, that was the ketamine. <laughs> and now it's, it's sober, it's natural, it's uh, a, a passion driven. And um, even 20 years ago, though, there was a reason. Because even 20 years ago, when I shot up my first ketamine, sea of ketamine, God told me, he said, you can have the same connection with me and relationship without this. But this is a window that I give you right now so that you can see that you can connect with me in a real way. 20 years ago, that was, that was what was shared with me in a vision. And 20 years later, drug free and living life just like every other normal American schmo, working hard, <laughs> kids, gaining weight, not being as pretty as I used to be, losing all my hair, you know, but still loving myself more than I ever have. I only wear my hat because it's got my brand, West Texas Songwriters on it, but I got a beautiful bald head like yours. <laughs> it's shiny, you know. you have oil or butter on that thing? Uh, no, I took a shower. <laughs> we have no humidity in San Diego, brother. <laughs> so. Yeah, but that's what I was saying is that whole, you know, that lesson back then was meant to be about now. Yeah. And so many of us are living in the past or the future, but man, I'm telling you, Get into the now, right now. This wind blowing, this perfect temperature, and my child's voice in the background, and you on the other end, sending my energy love out to the world and the people listening. And you know, there's something going on right now that's so powerful. It's like Jet Li's movie, The One, where there's like all these different versions of you living in all these multiverses. But if you could just pull in, pull them down to one you and one reality, all of a sudden that one becomes so powerful. And that's the truth. I think that's occurring. It's like uh, Neo said the other day, or uh, Keanu Reeves said, he said uh, The Matrix was a documentary. <laughs> you know, there's something going on that's still very mystical in our now, in the world that we live in today, about personal development, making yourself a master. You don't have to be a martial artist to become yeah, let's go see some ducks. There's a there's something about you don't have to be a martial artist to become a master. I've I've eaten sushi from masters. I know guys here that can build homes uh, as masters. Um, one of my personal goals is to live my life as a master, which 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 at the the front of that ship is happiness. You know, self satisfaction, knowing that I'm doing a good job, knowing that I'm being kinder and gentler in ways where I used to maybe get more upset or aggravated. So, you know, self-mastery is a, is a huge goal. Um, that leads over to family relations and the way I bring up my kids and how I get along with my um, wife and uh, my friends and acquaintances and, and people that, you know, will try to irritate me. And um, the challenges that come up with these projects and goals, such as patients or dealing with uh, producers or you know people who are in a different you know number number people or people in numbers games, just you know, we're different. But we need all these people. We all need each other. You know, my album. I was the creative element, but man, there were people like accountants and investors and people that were completely different from me. 
involved that made that happen. So we all we're all necessary. Hold on just a second. Okay. I think that- Hold on. Uh, Lauren says, and most importantly, the way we get along with ourselves. Um, Minty says, I don't. I didn't believe in the Matrix until I realized I was eating fake food. Cinnamon says, note to self, showers make your head shine. Uh, the power of we, absolutely. And let's see, Jimmy, you're placing a heavy burden on me. Seriously, though, I have given this a lot of thought. I'm trying so hard to connect and teach my kids so they succeed in life and relationships. You're, you're, you're hitting home for a lot of people, Jim. Listen, man, I have an appointment um, that I need to get to, but... I just, I, you are welcome. We, we are having you back on the show. Um, next time I want you to play, if you will. I, I'm, I'm a fan, but you're my friend. You're my brother. I love you. And I'm so, so happy we got to do this today, my friend. You were amazing. Thanks, man. I love you too, brother. I'll see. You have any, you have any last words? Uh, I put my link for Angel, the video I did. Beautiful. Um, that I actually shot in Los Angeles. I also put my last fight in 2012. Um, I didn't win it, but I'm still very proud of that fight. I'm one of the most proud I was ever at any fight. Uh, fight Master Rebello from the American Top Team there. He beat me. And um, am I at Jimmy Ninja Cowboys? It's a pretty easy way to get a hold of me if you want to contact me. Or, and you can order my book off Amazon. It's like less than five bucks. Uh, it's called Eternal Energy and Information. And I look forward to um, you guys, and I appreciate the audience for bearing with my highly caffeinated state and my son rambling with that down. No, um, Jim, hold on. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play the song again in case if people didn't hear it. Um, so, all right, Jimmy. So much love, brother. I'm. Uh, I'm gonna play. All right, Boomer Sooner, indeed, my man. I'll see you soon. God, God bless you, brother. Across the nation. <laughs> Bye. All right, this is Jimmy Ninja playing Angel. Check this song out, everybody. It's amazing. Listen to it. This is absolutely terrific. And by the way, I have permission to play this song. Amazing, amazing song. You're welcome, Cinnamon. Thank you, Lauren.
Thank you guys, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for uh, watching, listening, for sharing the video. It's such an amazing song. support so much love for all of you thank you for your support thank you you guys uh, definitely check out that song you can just look up Jimmy Ninja on YouTube and find it Jimmy Ninja look up Jimmy Ninja Angel and you will find that song. Um, again, thank you guys, everyone, for downloading the podcast on Google Play, on Spotify, on Spreaker, on uh, freaking iTunes, on iHeartRadio. Thank you guys so much for the support. Thank you, everybody, on Facebook for the shares, the likes, tagging people. Um, please spread the love. Um, we're going at this alone. I, um, I, I, I just, I, maybe I'm wrong, but everything in me, God keeps saying that, um, that I just need to do this myself and, um, and just prove it's going to work. I mean, when I went and heard T.D. Jakes talk about, uh, when he spoke at the rock church and he was talking about his book, um, sore, which is right back there. He said that, um, you know, to focus on the things that you do have and not what you don't. And I had focused for a long time on what I didn't have. And I had that mindset. And then I made the shift and said, well, listen, I've got Wi-Fi and I have a camera so I can start doing the show on Facebook. And, you know, and then it graduated to now where it's on like 15, 16, 17 different platforms. And it grows every, every week because of your people like you, everyone listening and everyone watching, it grows. And I've had the attention of TV networks that want to make, you know, that want to make it a TV show, but there's like a, a stipulation attached to it. And, you know, and that stipulation is, is something that with, it, there's a big part of it, knowing that that stipulation is going to probably make me sacrifice something that I care about very deeply about the show. And that is keeping it true to a heart, true to the fact that I'm a man of faith. Like without God, without my relationship with Christ, that none of this is possible. Being able to say that and no one stop me. I may scare people off. Meh. So be it. But the fact that I'm going to talk about HIV and mental health today at two o'clock with a childhood friend. The fact that I'm going to talk about mental health issues, the top fact that I'll talk about sexuality, the fact that I'm going to talk about 
being homeless and, and drug addiction and scary, scary things. The fact is, if I go on a network, they're going to tell me I can't talk about a lot of things that I, I, I feel led to talk about and no one's going to stop me. I, I, I honestly, in my heart of hearts, know without a shadow of a doubt that God spared my life for a reason and I'm not going to deny and not use my voice. I'm not going to handicap anything that I feel led to say. I may say things that I'm going to get in trouble for <laughs> by somebody, but I don't want some network executive over my head saying, you can't say that. You can't talk about Jesus. You can't talk about the fact that you love people of all races, all cultures, all religions, all belief systems. You can't, you can't talk about the fact that you believe in accepting and loving everyone. Like, I want to talk about uncomfortable truths. And you know what? If a network can't get behind what this is and what it will be without trying to shape it and without trying to change and control the message, then so be it. We're going to go at it alone. I will find the right sponsors for this show. You know, um, we have some big plans. Like, God brought a couple people in my life over the weekend that have really, really encouraged me to know that I, I can do this. I can't do it alone, obviously, because I, I, I need a team. Um, I get to put together a team of people. I get to put together people that believe in this show. <sighs> you know, vision is it vision if it doesn't scare the crap out of you. My vision scares the crap out of me. Um, my vision scares the crap out of me, but I'm going all in. So the right people will come into my life that need to be there to make this happen. Because I do want, I have a big mission. And if you haven't seen the post from yesterday on Facebook um, and what the show's about, what I want to do with it, what I will do with it... Um, I, 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 it's everything to me. It matters a great deal to me. It's not about being a celebrity. It's not. But I need all of you. I can't do it without you. I can't. But I can do it without a network. <laughs> That's the beautiful thing about the internet. <laughs> I can make it work and I'm going to. I mean, the right people will come. The right sponsors will come. The right people will come. I know it. I love you. I'm so grateful for your support. Um, thank you, Cinnamon, very much for your nice words. Um, God bless you. Thank you very much for that. I've... Oh, thank you very much. All right, listen, guys. Um, we have three more shows today. <laughs> we have three more. Um, so we're, we're playing all out today. I've got a one o'clock show. Have a two o'clock show and have a four thirty show left. Um, I, I'm so grateful for all of you. God bless. Thank you for the shares. Thank you for the likes. Thank you, everyone listening on the radio. See ya. Thanks. 
Put a new face on an old kitchen. The Home Depot's cabinet experts can reface your kitchen cabinets for a mini makeover in a fraction of the time. And right now, you can get an extra 15% off. Our licensed local experts can get the job done right, right away. So don't face another year in an outdated kitchen. Try refacing it. Get huge savings now. Only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Offer valid through April 25th, 2018. License numbers available at homedepot.com slash license numbers, including 602331.